This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 738, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, thinking about other people, and being all right. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. And you won't just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I might get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge. I'm a diamond in the rough. A shiny piece of coal Trying to reach my goal My power of speech Unimpeachable Only 19 But my mind is older These New York City streets Hello, welcome to iFanboy <laughs> Pick of the Week Episode 738 Have yourself a cold one Hey, you know what? This uh, is just life Josh is popping cans I got nothing going on But it's fine I'm Josh Flanagan That's Connor Kilpatrick Hello It's uh, iFanboy That's us Every week we do this show for as much of my life as I can remember, and assuming for the rest of my life. A not insignificant percentage. Exactly. In, in terms of uh, adult life, mm-hmm. um, a quite significant percentage. Uh, we're going to uh, read the comics that come out every week, whatever's there, and sometimes that list gets bigger and bigger the closer we get to Wednesday. And then uh, the person whose job it is every week to pick the pick of the week picks that pick, and then we call that the pick of the week, and we do that here on the show, which is the pick of the week. <laughs> it should be fun. Pick of the week. Yeah. Uh, your spoiler warning is that there will be spoilers in, in the books that we talk about, including the pick of the week and the patron pick. Uh, exercise your caution, Connor, you have the pick. I did, and this was a very strange week. Marvel and DC didn't put out uh, very many books. Uh, DC put out one deceased book. Marvel put out a couple of... They were only digital-only books. Marvel put out a couple of digital-only books. There was nothing in the stores. If you were a store customer, your store is open. So originally we thought, oh, no, what are we going to do for the show? Are we going to have to do another trade? And then we we looked at the list. We had a couple of books. Oh, well, we can, we can make a show out of that. And then by the time... I finished, I had had eight books, which is a very low number for me, but also not like, you know, out of the ballpark of a, you know, a light week. It's enough to do a show. More than enough. The pick of the week ended up being Hawkeye Freefall number six, the final issue of this miniseries written by Twitter sensation Matthew Rosenberg, art by Otto Schmidt, letters by Joe Sabino. This book has been picked at least once before. I've been, I'm a big fan of this particular miniseries. And I'm very curious to see what you thought, Josh, because... The title Hawkeye Freefall is very apt and has been there literally on the cover the entire time as I guess the story has been watching Hawkeye's descent. You know, we Fraction and Aja, Aya, you know, brought him down a few pegs entertainingly, but now we've we're seeing a bottomed out Clint Barton here. He has finally lost his girlfriend for good after this issue. He has his actions caused his friends to turn on him and him to turn on them. And then at the end, he sort of have becomes not a bad guy, but more of a vigilante. Almost full circle from where he started when he, was, when he first was originally introduced in comics as a bad guy. So mm-hmm. crosses the line a bit, and tragically he does so in his original costume, which at first I was really excited, and then I thought that the implications of that were that you know, there's no hiding this is Hawkeye. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. he's not wearing a t shirt. He's not wearing the Ronin costume. He's in his classic get up, at least, you know, as interpreted by Otto Schmidt. It's a good interpretation. It's a great interpretation. I don't see why this couldn't be him going forward. It doesn't I, look I, s- silly or anything. No, looks great. He, you know, has this confrontation with the Hood, who's been dogging this entire miniseries and fights him rather brutally while they're being watched by all these criminals that the Hood is hired to kill Hawkeye so then at the end they they basically say he's one of us now as he walks away bloodied and beaten and you know emotionally just dist- destroyed I thought this was really good I love the art I've always you know every time I talk about Otto Schmidt he's terrific he needs to be on bigger and bigger books I think Matthew Rosenberg it's unfortunate he's a really really talented writer who keeps either through his choice or Marvel's choice writing these fringe books and fringe characters that don't necessarily light up the sales charts but I always the ones I read or really enjoy. And, you know, this book got moved to digital only. A lot of people stopped reading it. A lot of people in the iFan base stopped reading it because of that. It's unfortunate because the book ended very strongly. And if you missed out on it, it's your loss. I loved this miniseries the whole way through. And I thought this was an emotionally sad ending to it. You had sent me a text at some point And you said, I finished my books and there's no clear pick. And I thought, hmm. Huh. And then I read the books. I read this first. Mm-hmm. And I finished it. And I went, well, that's your pick of the week. <laughs> 
you know and i and i've i've spent however it's like two days of me not saying that to you right so i could do it here on the show it's interesting i think you're, you're saying well you were curious what i would think about it because i i'm a hawkeye fan and have been but i think this all tracks i think oh that's the, that beeping sound did you hear the beep i did hear the beep that means my cake is ready we talked we talked about cake last week <laughs> So, everyone, hold on. <laughs> okay, my cake is now cooling on the counter, and we may resume talking about Hawkeye's downfall. Real quick, can I get a little description of the cake? Oh, it's a moist yellow cake in a bunt pan. Really? Like yeah. a box cake and you did yeah. it in a bunt, huh? Yeah, yeah. I only have a bunt pan, so... No only, shit. only choice I had, yeah. Do you find that that limits your cake enjoyment, or is that you like it that I way? I like the bunt. Makes for a good slice. Makes an easy slice. It's a nice slice. And I also, you know, will often make uh, angel food cake. Uh-huh. So that's, you know. I think we've talked about this before because I find that disgusting. That's fine. I mean, yeah, no, I, I know. It's, that's, that works. But after last week's discussion, I wanted cake. So here we go. Here we are. Well, it took you a week. Yeah. Well, get, I, get on it. I had the mix. I just was waiting. I just want to be real quick that I said box cake. And I just want to know that in this context, I have no problem with that. I'm not looking down on box cake. Box, I love cake box cake is wonderful. Thank, thank God for box cake. Anyway, <laughs> let's move along. <laughs> I think that the story does track, and it's kind of interesting because we looked at the Fraction and Aja run, mm-hmm. and it was like, this is really good, but it, it sort of br- dropped the character in a place that was it felt wrong. And also, you know, the movie did that too. And if you look at this as sort of a reaction to all that, like it's this character who kind of can't figure out a way to fit in anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's, his reactions have always been extreme. That's very much a part of that character. He's, he runs hot. He is self-righteous. He makes bad choices. He makes bad choices. He is a good guy at heart, and people like him. But, you know, he, he makes mistakes, and, uh, uh, you know, he kind of skates by right on the edge of, of sort of what's acceptable. And this story is kind of a culmination of all of those things. And, it, it you know, the more I look at it, the more I feel like... I start seeing all sorts of parallels and and metaphors that it could be. It's like, oh, this is this is Gen X. <laughs> like he just like doesn't fit in with all the stuff. The world is changing around him. You know, it's not what he thought it would be. You know, on and on. There's all these sort of ways you can think about it. When you start building it like that, well, then it gets kind of interesting. Starts wearing the clothes from when he was younger. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they say you wear the clothes from the last year that you were really happy. <laughs> And then, again, to go along with that metaphor, if you want to talk about sort of aging into middle age or something like that, all of a sudden, you know, all of the things that he's skated around on before, but now he's got consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, now things are happening because of it. He, first of all, he's beat to shit, which is really interesting because he got beat to shit in the Fraction Aja run and it was kind of like a gag. And here at the end, like, he's got his regular costume on and he's beat to shit. And it's a little, it's unnerving. Whereas the, it wasn't unnerving in the other book. Yeah, his his face is hamburger underneath that mask in that last yeah. page. And it's, it was a startling shot. I mean, I liked the artistic touch of... Being able to see the bandages underneath the mask, mm-hmm. they just sort of peeked yeah. out from the edges of the mask. And it, Otto Schmidt is just incredible. We uh, yeah, we talk all the time about how there's a dearth of new, really ta- talented artists. There's, a, there's new artists, and there's mm-hmm. been one or two that I thought really worthy of being on a Marvel or DC book, which is supposed to be the pinnacle of professionalism. And Otto Schmidt's mm-hmm. definitely up there. He has a unique yeah. style. He doesn't look like anybody else. He draws terrific action. He does great character work and cartooning with expressions and faces and acting. Mm. He has the whole package. Yeah, you know, and, and this this issue is sort of a final issue. You got to have a lot of things wrapped up. There was two big fights. There was sort of, you know, there's no chance that he's going to get back together with the night nurse. No, which was a tough scene. I, I liked, yeah. We liked him as a couple in the beginning. They're fun. And so when his little, you know, hipster slacker sidekick gets beaten up really badly and back shot full of arrows by a bullseye he takes him to the night nurses to get fixed and you think maybe well maybe now they'll reconcile over this kid mm-hmm. but no it just it goes the other way she's like get get the hell out of here and never come back and that was tough and then the next scene was kind of funny but also with all the text messages i, I it reminded me of our old friend timmy who used to write for the site and who was a friend of ours and who did a bit on the website about um so superhero text chains he used to do that all the yeah. time. And that made me think of that with the Avengers yeah. all texting Clint trying to find out what happened to Captain America. But Bullseye's a great yeah. nemesis for Hawkeye. There's a, the highlight to me was their fight in the middle with the bow and arrow. And, you know, 
Volz is like, no one's better at me. You, you may be better with the bow, but I've got better aim. And Hawkeye's like, really? That was fantastic. And I, I had that thought. I go, wait a minute. Why, why isn't this his nemesis? Right. Or his arch enemy? Like, it seems like a perfect match. And, and I'm assuming they've met before. But, you know, I th- actually, I think when, oh, is it the Thunderbolts? That would make wasn't, sense. Wasn't Bullseye the Hawkeye for a little bit before Trickshot took oh, it? Oh, Maybe. It, on one of those versions. But either way, th- I thought their dynamic was, was really fun to read. And again, it, you know, it had stakes. And, and we are over Bullseye, for sure. Yeah. But this was a good one. It's not his classic costume, but it wasn't whatever that last one was. <laughs> it was better. You know, and Parker Robbins sort of was like another side of the, the coin, too. The hood was overconfident, mm-hmm. you know, but had a lot of reasons to be. And he lost, and and then Clint goes and he, he pulls a John Constantine basically uh, in this book. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot here. It was a really a lot of stuff happened in the issue, and then it, it had a real conclusion, and it was a satisfying conclusion, but not a not a happy ending conclusion. And I think that's always kind of a brave choice, you know. You you know Matt Rosenberg, I think I think it's a little bit of a choice to stay on on books that he can do cool shit like this mm-hmm. uh, with we talked i can't remember exactly i talked with him a little about that uh when they did that talk split with him a, a few months ago right um you know like he's he makes choices like that on purpose to sort of you know get to do stuff that he's interested in um to which to me sounds like a it's a complete punk rock move it's just be like you know but he's done x-men too he, he can do those things but you know when he is into the the characters you know he's done he's done he's got a good track record with with clint barton that that Winter Soldier uh, Hawkeye story yes. from a while ago was fantastic. I don't know that the world can sustain. Obviously, it can't. The six-issue miniseries couldn't even stay printed, but that is a shame because it, it was great. I mean, I think it tracks with what you think of as Clint Barton, and I think at the same time, if you were a fan of, of Fractions Run, uh, that's the same guy, too, in there. I think he's melded them pretty well. There's a nice little callback to that Bucky Hawkeye book when... Mm-hmm. You know, we see all the text messages from all the Avengers. And we see he's got 14 missed calls, but the one call he chooses to highlight is Bucky calling him. So there's a nice little yep. callback to that relationship. Well-made comic book. Really just a good comic book. This has been literally one of my favorite Marvel books of the last couple of years. Yeah. Hawkeye's a great character. We both love him. The art's been terrific. Rosenberg writes snappy, fun comics that have a lot of heart and weight to them. Yeah. They appear to be, like, when you finish them, they appear to be more than they seemed. You're you know, like, oh, you could, there's a lot more layers here that I didn't realize. Were yeah, happening. you can look back over it and, and really start to appreciate it. At the same time, you're having fun reading through it, so it's it's got the bust of both things. So I did text you that message saying I wasn't sure about the pick, and it was true when I finished reading my books. I didn't have one that immediately spoke to me. I had to, I didn't sleep on it, but I had to sit with it for a while. And eventually Hawkeye wrote, came out as the one I, I kept gravitating towards. But for a while, I was thinking about Bad Karma number 2, Panel Syndicate, Alex DeCampi, Ryan Howe, they don't have a title page, so I don't know who else has worked on the book. <laughs> we read the first issue. It was the patron pick, and this is the second re- issue release. And I I really liked this issue, even if I'm still not sure about the book itself. I didn't read it. We talked about it, and I found myself not interested enough to remember it. But I am interested, uh, based on what you just said, you know. So, you know, in the first issue, we had these two soldiers who were friends. They're both, you know, one's missing a leg. The other one's got pretty severe PTSD. They're in Boston. And they see on the TV that that someone's going to be executed for a murder. And they say, oh, no, that's not right. We killed that guy. And so in this issue, they start out on a road trip. Really nicely done montage as they get ready for the road trip with sound effects and very nicely paced. And so they hit the road first to try to convince the guy's lawyer that his client is innocent and he needs to get him out because they killed, they killed the guy. And he's just like, get the hell out of here, you crazy people. We see a little flashback to the murder, which was kind of funny because they are talking about it in real time. So we see the, the dialogue balloons are from them talking on the couch with the lawyer, but we're seeing them committing the murder. That was a fun device. And then they, they sort of hit a brick wall. No one wants to help them. They, they see their old CO who's kind of an asshole who won't help them. No one will help them free this guy from death row. And then it ends up, the climactic moment is they're in a Waffle House, drowning their sorrows in waffles. You know, there's two guys who are hassling the black waitress, and they get in a fight and beat the hell out of those guys, but then the cops show up to arrest them. still don't know about the overall story. I thought this was a really good character piece, and one of the things I did like about the first issue was the, the two guys and their relationship together. 
which continues to be the strong part of this book. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm in for a little while longer. I wasn't sure if I was going to even read this issue, but I decided to do it because it was such a small week. Did it make a lot more sense than the last one? Because I remember the other one was just harder to follow. Well, it's it, because we have sort of a, a foundation from the first issue and because it's mostly the two guys hanging out just in different scenarios, the Waffle House mm-hmm. or with their CEO or with, a, or with the lawyer, there wasn't a lot to keep track of. Okay. And they have good conversations. I, I do like the character work a lot. And the art's okay. It's At times it's really good. At other times it, it's it's not. But um, it worked for the most part. I like it. I don't love it. But I really liked this issue. Um, well, that's, that's fair. That works. This is a relationship, as she, as she talked about in her essay, that you don't often see, you know, two very affectionate colleagues. You know, they hug here. They console each other you know you don't often see that male relationship that's portrayed that way in media i also really wanted waffles as i was reading it <laughs> that's your move not often i don't want waffles i'm usually wanting waffles so there's often you know any random time during the day you can text me do you want waffles i'll say yes i do i can i can confirm that so but i like if you were on the fence with the first issue this is a good one to check out because it there's a lot more. There's a lot of strong character stuff in here, and they're they're kind of fun. Um, I need to know where this is going because clearly they're trying to they're trying to clear this guy's name. What does that mean for them? Because they're the real murderers. Well, murder, but they were they were contracted by the state government to kill this guy. I'm happy I read it, but I just don't know about the book itself. That's the only question mark at the moment. Mm-hmm. Goddamn the goddamned. Remember this book, The Virgin Brides, number one. I was very surprised. To see it return. I was trying to rack my brain to remember, did it even finish the original miniseries? I don't even know. Maybe it finished an arc, or if it finished an arc, we didn't quite, but it was, I thought at first, I thought, oh, it didn't, and maybe he brought somebody else in, but it was it was Jason Aaron and Gera, so those are the, the principles on the book. So theoretically, whenever that last book came out, that was the end of an arc or whatever they, they were going They say, must have finished. I mean, I just don't remember. It wouldn't make so any sense yeah. to... Not to, you know, to come back and not finish it, you know. So we're back with a new miniseries, a new version, new volume. This is The Virgin Brides is the subtitle. And this is definitely the best looking book of the week for me. I mm-hmm. was just so happy to see Gara's work. We haven't squeezed him in forever. Uh, I don't know what he's been working on other than these books. But, you know, there was a time when we were seeing Gara regularly in our yeah. comic book lives. And it was just nice. His books are so dirty. In the best possible way, you know. Everyone's dirty. The land is dirty. The The setting is dirty. This one, though, was a little, you know, like the sort of garden that they work in before they get transported out was, well, you know, had that idyllic but threatening sort of thing, like the Stepford Wives kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I haven't seen him in so long. It was, took me a little while to sort of re reconnect with it. I was like, all right, okay, this is all this stuff. And I enjoyed it. For the most part, I, think. I don't think I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I mean, the first one was you know these are sort of like Jason Aaron's real tales of the Bible. At least that seems to be the, the, what yeah. the original pitch was. And the first one wasn't it Cain and Abel? I think. Or the main guy was honestly Cain. I don't remember it was so long ago. I don't remember. So I don't know what this is all based on. I don't know if this is something he made up. I don't know if this is based on something from the Bible. I don't know. There was a lot here. There was a. Pretty strong um, Handmaid's Tale thing. And I'm actually wondering if maybe this is based on the same thing that the Handmaid's Tale's based on. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough to be able to tell you that. The auntie is this sort of the same deal. Right. Where I believe they're called aunties. You know, I liked the two characters. You know, I liked that it's the same thing that, you know, Brian Wood introduced it in the in the Viking book. And I think Jason Aaron's been doing this. They talk like people now. Yeah. And that kind of grounds it a little bit i didn't love it because i was trying to you know get my footing so the story is it's a community of young girls prepubescent girls living in this community with you know female overseers and they're being protected by these very scary and harsh looking female warriors who live in the hills above the community and then when the girls reach womanhood when they have their first period they get taken up to the, the community above to marry and they're never seen again that was an interesting setup, and I think where it lost me a little bit was the reveals. They were super supernatural, and yeah. I, I, 
when it was more grounded in reality. And I realized, I realized from my the deep recesses of my memory, I, I remember the original miniseries had like creatures, and it had an immortal guy. To be, and I so I realized it wasn't like you know it wasn't scalped, but this was very like demons and you know yeah. And so I found, I found myself less interested in in all that bit. Once it was all revealed, I had that feeling too. But uh, you know, hang, if I'm hanging with those two main girl characters, then then I was kind of okay. Right. So that those two main female characters, one of their third friend who gets taken up in the beginning of the issue, you know, that leads us into the story. They they're still working in the very the cliffhangers that one of them has her first period, so they have to escape because they went up and snuck up and saw the reality of the world above, and so they're getting out of here because this is no good. I'm not not going to read more. I'm definitely going to no, read more. Yeah. But I, I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I really wanted to love that, but I didn't. I get that. I enjoyed it. It didn't like wow me though. I wasn't like this is the stuff. We had another final issue this week from Marvel Star number five. Kelly Thompson, Javier Pina, Philippe Andrade, Jesus Albertov, and Clayton Cowles. This is the final issue of this miniseries. I liked this whole miniseries. You got me to read it. I wasn't gonna read yeah. it originally. Wasn't it a was it not a patron pick? Doesn't matter. E- either way, someone got me to read it. You or them right. or someone. I liked Javier Pena's art, very traditional Marvel superhero. I loved, yeah. I loved the Philippe Andrade flashback. Well, I was, art. I was about to say you were talking about, uh, you know, artists who are great, and every time Philippe Andrade shows up, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's, you know, yeah. and he's only got a handful of pages in here, but I, I really, every time I saw one of those pages, great, and he's not, not, it's not super mainstream. I don't, you know, it's not like he's going to do Avengers or whatever, but God, wouldn't that be really awesome work. if he did Avengers? Yeah, yeah, for you, me, and ten other people, one of them being Philippe Andrade. I just don't know if I understand the point of this miniseries. I think I got it. I mean, it was like, a nice was, character piece, and I get that. It, the point was I was entertained. That's ultimately the point. Star is not a superhero. She doesn't have that the altruistic sort of impulse to do the thing. She doesn't know what's going on, and she realized. So she's got a is it the reality stone? I think the reality yeah. stone is embedded in her, and everybody's trying to get it or to control her. And you know, you've got this thing where the typical story is. Captain Marvel and Scarlet Witch are going to come along and they're going to convince her, you know, that you should come be with us and then she will become a superhero. However, the the twist in this is really that at the same time she's being pursued by, I don't know what they're called, but it's all the Thanos' minions that yeah. are in the movie. Black something. Ebony Maw and, and, you know, all those um, Hickman characters from his from his Avengers run, who are very different in this than in everything else here. They're like a little gang and they're actually quite reasonable. The Black Order. Yeah. And it's sort of the turning point, like shit's going down, and she just goes, I don't have to deal with any of this. So she goes, she <laughs> yeah. makes a deal right. and walks away, you know, and everybody's pissed off. I did like that scene a lot. Yeah. They're, you know, they're in the classic hero moment where their back's against the wall, they're trapped. It's Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, and Star. And Captain Marvel and Scarlet Witch are just huddled in the corner making plans, and she keeps going, I have an idea. Wait, what about? And they're just like, shut up, you. Mm hmm. So she's like, fuck this, and she leaves, and then she turns back to the dark side. The thing. What I got out of it was that she sort of came to grips with what her power is. And once she realized that, you know, she's like, I don't I don't need any of this. And there's a there's kind of a cool thing in there. It's not what you sort of expect from Marvel Comics, but right. I, I liked that it was just like it's not even that she's bad or good. She's just like, I, I don't I don't I don't have to listen to any of this. And <laughs> and there's a sort of freedom in that that's kinda cool. Like she's realized that how much power she does have and what she can do, and it's not hard to find a metaphor in that. But I really like that. I really like the characterizations, you know, like Scarlet Witch and Captain Marvel aren't trying to do the wrong thing, but they're sort of alienating her without even meaning to. They're just so used to sort of taking everything over. The final image was rather striking. What can I do? I can do whatever yeah. I want. As as something blows up in the background, I don't know what that was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, that was that page was was odd because so that's sort of everything I just said. And then like she, if she's the one who blows up a building, that makes her a terrorist. I don't think that's the case, but I don't think it was clear. I think maybe a thing happened, and she was like, "I'm not dealing with that." And that's a possibility. It's very unclear. It seemed to me. From the visual look, she's in this like black suit now, and she's got mm-hmm. very severe red hair, and her eyes are glowing red. A that the she's done this because her eyes are glowing red, and B visually she seems to be representing evil. From what I got from this was that for a second she flirted with being a hero. She had like a very sort of classic hero costume for most of this book, and then at the end she's just like, "Screw this! I'm gonna I'm gonna go off and not play by your rules." Whether that means she's a villain or not, it seems to be in her visual look. She's at the very least straddling the line mm-hmm. at, at the at the very best. Again, this was put to digital only soon. Who knows how? But it's interesting to have this sort of really powerful wild card character running around. 
mm-hmm. who you know has a personality, is a human. There's there's all sorts of good things about that. Like, again, you know, when I had Kelly on the show, I was talking to her about you know the idea that what she's really good at and what she really likes to do, and this is going to sound like my, exactly my thing is you know sort of the people talking and and yep. you know being their own characters and dealing with their relationship and stuff, and then the, the with the other side of that being you know the you know, world ending crisis event thing. And that's not so much in her wheelhouse. And that conversation plus reading this book made me go, I want to go back and read the Captain Marvel issues that she's been doing because I read all those. I like that. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. So I've got them all here on deck to go through because, you know, if that's the case, I, and I don't think that it's that she can't do, you know, this, this had real superhero stakes and and villains and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I thought overall it was a fun, different sort of thing and pretty successful. I'm glad I read it. I just, I think the last scene really threw me because I didn't know what was mm-hmm. happening. I was like, I don't. That's no, totally fair. I think. What am I supposed true. to take out of this moment? Other than she looks mm-hmm. badass and she's scary a little bit. Like, did she blow that up? Is she ignoring it? What's going mm-hmm. on? Is it a weird coincidence? Let's take a quick break and talk about how you can help support iFanboy. We have been doing this show for 15 years now. You started to say nine, and it was completely wrong. <laughs> we, we 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 can only do it because of you. You keep it going. You allow us to pay our bills and buy equipment when we need to, and offset the time it takes to do iFanboy away from our family and our jobs and our lives. And we do appreciate that. You gave us a figure this week about what it actually costs, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> it's really expensive to do this. I was doing the books, and I was like, oh, hey, this is how much it costs to do the show, which is... You think we would have done that before 15 years. So the main way to help is patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go and become a patron. Patrons get a lot of perks. But they also unlock shows like Josh's Talksplode and the Booksplode show and the Mediasplode show. And the next stretch goal, if we hit that, will be the G.I. Joe show, whatever it's called. G.I. Joe Corner, G.I. Joe Splode, who knows. A show that comes out at some frequency that looks at the G.I. Joe Real American Hero cartoon and then right on the heels of that stretch goal is the return of the barbecue video show, which we'll do quarterly. And you can go check out youtube.com slash ifanboy. You can see this past week we put up the original, the very first one we did of those. And so you can see what that would be like if we return to do those. So that's at patreon.com slash ifanboy. T-shirts, ifanboy.threadless.com. We have our eight shirts. Ifanboy logo, Herm, Pick the Week podcast, ratings, if one is Electro, GDAT, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, and our Stay Home and Read Comics, our new design. Those can all be bought on T-shirts. They can be bought on iPhone covers. They can be bought on shower curtains. They can curtains be bought on and rugs. bath mats. Yeah. Masks. You know, we all have to wear masks out there. There's masks you can get them on. I got my shirts this week. I got my Nothing Made Sense, Nothing Matters, and Stay Home and Read Comics shirts. They're great. I get the upgraded, the softer shirt. The triweave. That's the one. Yeah, the tri blend. Yeah, tri blend. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. A little heather in there. I have a tri blend baseball tee with nothing made sense. Uh, no, Stay yes. Home and Read Comics on it. That's great. Half the proceeds from Stay Home and Read Comics will be and have been donated to the Comic Book United Fund. So we sent our first donation in this week. And so we'll keep doing that as more people buy that design. But if you want to help comic book stores, that, that fund is a great way to help. And if you buy any anything from that design, Half your money will go to the Comic United Fund. iPhone.com slash support. Direct donations via PayPal. As we mentioned last week, eccentric billionaires are still welcome. It's weird to haven't... Have you heard anything? No, not yet. Huh. I felt like this is our week. You know, you don't have to be in for all of it. You can just kick in a little bit and then tell your eccentric billionaire buddies, wouldn't it be funny if you also kicked in a little bit? <laughs> that would be a gas. And then eventually we get to where we need to go. Josh is up to his ears in Porsches. I hey. Two, maybe three. You know how, like, everyone loves a challenge online? Like, you know, yeah. TikTok, everyone's doing a, some, some kind of silly dance while the Chinese government takes all their information? Right. We have to gamify my personal enrichment. So, you know, turn us into the billionaire challenge. Yeah. Get your billionaire buddy friends. Everyone kicks in a million, two million, you know. Nothing's going to break your bank. A rounding error, quite you frankly. You get a late model 911 uh, <laughs> turbo of some kind. You know, with the with the turbo, two twin turbos on a, on, a, on a six. That's nice. Then what you want to do is get one of those electric ones. I think it's, I forget what they're called, but they're the crazy fastest. But then yeah. you go vintage. You go you vintage. Yeah. You, get a, you get a vintage 959. That's the all-wheel drive rally car. Those three in the stable? I mean, I've only got two garage places, so that's a problem. <laughs> well, I would assume... With the money we're looking for, you'd upgrade your abode. I see. 
Yeah, that probably... Yeah, you know what? My wife would probably agree with that. This is the way we have to be going here, eccentric billionaires. The way that I work is that if I came into an absurd amount of money, I would be in the same place, but it would just be filled... <laughs> with gadgets? With Yeah, with junk that's worth way more than the house I'm in. And it would take like my wife to be like, you know, our house is garbage. And I'd be like... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It is. I didn't notice that before. You've got four Porsches in the driveway. Yeah. Like like uh, Beverly Hillbillies, but billionaires. Uh, FM.com slash support. That's where you can go. Eccentric billionaires, always welcome. And FM.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find our Booksplode books, and you can find a general link, and we thank everyone who does all the above. Like we said, it, it really does help us and keeps the show going. We do appreciate that. And now let's enter Mark Russell Corner. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Hey, that, that podcast you listen to has gotten damn materialistic. So, I'll tell you what. I'd, be, I'd have so many cakes. Mark Russell had three books out this week. <laughs> Let's talk about them. Red Sonia number 16. This is the prime book. Mark Russell, Bob Q, Dear Blake Kelly, and Hassan Atzman Lahu. That's got to be wrong. Alhau. Alhau. Tell me what you thought. This is one of your favorite books on the, on the market. Uh, it is. I like... It's hard for me not to compare the two because I'm trying to sort of go back. But uh, Red Sonia is my favorite. I've had a hard time getting into Killing Red Sonia. Have you been reading Killing Red? This is only issue two. Was up this, but have, you been re- yes. have you been reading it? Yes, I have. Okay. A- and just because I think there was a lag in all of them. Yeah. And there's two stories going on. And they actually do cross over. They cross over here. I'm glad that I read Killing first because it would have made no sense if I had read Red Sonia first. And Cr- then we agreed. went over to that other story. So all those things aside. Every time there's an issue of, of Red Sonia, I get I get excited, which is a sentence that still makes no sense when I say it out loud. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that he's deftly moved from the end of that first empire arc, you know, where, where the monarch is going through everything and she's the last wall to sort of stop him. And then afterwards, you know, that the problem isn't solved because now she's got to feed her army. So then she goes and she makes a deal with the devil where she's now in charge of this other uh, ruthless despot's army, and and he's sending her on. He, he's sending her on, you know, horrible errands to go conquer people who who needn't be conquered, you know. And the whole thing still is this treatise on war and rulers and you know power, power and violence and all that stuff. Uh, and it is it continues to be fascinating. It's really great how he can continue to weave interesting parables through these stories. You know, it's not. As on the nose as something like Flintstones, mm-hmm. but it's it's still quite there. And but it's told through the wrapping paper of this interesting story about these. It's no longer a war story now. It's about ruling, at least right now. Yeah, Sonia's being not a fish out of water because she's very good at, at doing this and she's done it before. But she's in a different position than she was in the first however many issues that took twelve issues mm-hmm. or so. She's the subjugated second in command in this new emperor. And what's interesting is that in most stories like this, this would all be about how, you know, she's plotting to get out of under the yoke of this person in revenge. But that doesn't actually seem to be what's happening. She's like accepted the thing that she accepted to do. You know, and they're, they're, I'm sure there's gonna be a twist at some point. She'll take her opportunity when it presents itself, but she's right. not actively sowing the seeds of rebellion or anything. She's just Yeah, because to... she's doing this for her people. Right. You know which is really interesting. It, it's good. And, it, you know, Bob Q continues to be another guy that I'm, whenever I, I see him on, on stuff, I'm really happy about it. He's a great match for this book. It's a great book. The color's great. It has yet to disappoint me. So I, I read Killing Red Sonia 1 and 2 uh, this week. I, I one did came, that help? <laughs> yeah, it did for the story. One came in a, a while ago, and I said, well, I don't know what this is. And I think it, I think it, I don't even remember when it came out, but I didn't read it. I, I just saved it for the next one. And finally, this one came out. I think two things about this book. One, it's Mark Russell and Bryce Ingman, and it's art by Craig Rousseau. Mark Russell is clearly not scripting this. Correct. I agree. And so that's a downgrade. There's a lot more supernatural in this book that I don't love. There's a talking boar for no reason mm-hmm. and or explanation. Giants are one thing, and there's giants in this book, and then Red Sonia, that's the crossover bit. But why is there a talking boar? Well, I, I, I don't know much about this world, but if it's the same one that Conan lives in, then there is an element of that all the time. There's no talking boars. Well, and Conan. James Earl Jones, a giant snake. What do you want? It just it was weird that they, they're just all like, this is normal. 
All right, that's window dressing, though, because the fact is there's no characters who we know or care about yes. who are worth following. That's, that that's, is the problem yes. with this book. Not even if you go to the sort of main series, the kid's father, the leader who was trying to um, you know, take over, the, I don't remember his name, you know, he had the weird headdress. He was interesting. Yeah. Him, he was the guy that when he came up, he was worth following because we, we knew who he was and he was interesting even if he was a shit. We knew who he was. We knew what he wanted. Yes. This book is about his son who is on a quest to kill Red Sonia for revenge on his father. But it's too far removed because we don't know who he is. He seems very much like a babe in the woods. A babe in the woods. And he, he's out of depth. And I, But I don't know... It's kind of unclear. There's the his mother, and I don't know where she's coming from. And then there's the oracle person, who's apparently his real father, right. and I don't know where he's coming from. And then there's a fucking talking boar. Yeah, there's there. There's the giants. That, that again, that stuff didn't bug me, but just because like I, I don't know, there's bits of it that I like, but I I don't know why I'm reading it other yep. than Mark Russell's name is on it, and it's related to that other thing that I really liked. Craig Rousseau is also great. Uh, He's great, although there were a couple of times, uh, it might have been in the first issue where the art sort of threw me, but I liked the art a lot. It's got a sort of fairy tale quality to it. I mean, I, he, I've known his name forever. Yeah. Now, it's long enough that I don't quite remember why I know his name. I don't know if I'm going to keep reading this one. I can't decide. I probably will, because I'm hoping. Right. It'll depend on the week. Yep. Billionaire Island number two. This was another book where the first issue came out like before the pandemic, and now we're you know, four months later. So I, I read one and two together. This one I liked more than the first one. If we remember the first one came out, we were like, eh, this was better. Yeah, I thought it was too. I don't think it was great. I don't no. think it was perfect. I enjoyed it, though. At the end, I was like, okay, I want to see what happens next. And I think it's because we were on Billionaire Island this whole time. Whereas the first one, we, it was a lot of setup. We spent a lot of time mm-hmm. off the island. And to me, it's like, okay, well, if Mark Russell is going to do a book called Billionaire Island, clearly he's going to be looking at all of the things around billionaires income inequality capitalism then we should be spending most of the time doing that and that's what we're doing here in this issue we have a a movie studio here on billionaire island that employs louis ck and steven seagal and kevin spacey (laughs) we have the guy who in the first issue killed one of the billionaires minions and now he's scammed his way onto the island we get more of the, the the people that are trapped in the hamster cage like it was a lot more of the stuff that i thought was good in the first issue yeah i liked it i didn't love it but i liked it yeah i'm kind of right there with you there was bits of it where I was like, does that make sense? Like, because I thought, oh, there's a movie studio. I was like, there's got to be people who work there. So, right. like, there's now there's already, there's, an, there's the idea. See, originally the idea was to me that yeah. they had all gone to this place and there was only those. And I thought, well, no, there's going to have to be people to serve them and everything. So, there's an underclass somewhere. There has to be. There's yeah. infrastructure. These billionaires aren't cooking their own food. So, no. The idea is you can't go on the island unless you are worth a billion dollars. But clearly, that's not the case. Right. But there's always a facade everywhere, right? Yep, true, true. I mean, I think that there's a lot of potential to it, but I still think that we're in a setup mode where I'm, I'm still not quite sure what it is. Yeah, but I did enjoy reading it. I had a good time reading it. It is sort of the same deal. Like, I'm not still not quite sure who to root for. I, I don't really know well, if so I like Well, you presume the, guy. the Punisher character. Yeah, but I don't know if I care yet about that. Or, you know, the people in the the hamster cage, the, they seem more close, you know, closer to being that. But who knows? I don't know. I don't know what it is. That's Maybe the it's the reporter. She seems like the, the lowest lane seems like the most likely of it now. But So those are the books we wanted to talk about. In fact, that was every book I read except for Deceased. Which was fine, but yeah, there was fine. some problems. I didn't I just didn't want to... Those are DC characters, right? That was the problem, right? I didn't know, <laughs> yeah. who, I didn't know who those characters were. Right. And I didn't know. Well, I can't fault Tom Taylor for knowing all the characters really well and then using some that I don't know. I was like, who are these people? Anyway, those are all the books. <laughs> literally all the books I read. Was there any other there books? There we go. We did it. Were there any other books you read that weren't on the show? Yes. I don't remember what they were That's fine. off the top of my head. but Patreon.com slash iFanboy, as we mentioned before, is where you can come to be a patron, and every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And I wanted to quickly reiterate the rules of the voting because we had a lot of patrons join up during the off time, during the pandemic, in which we weren't doing a patron pick. And so maybe they didn't realize the rules, the new people. Although the rules are printed on the page in which you vote, sometimes people don't read. I, I get that. Number one, the book's got to be available digitally. So like this week, people voted for Negan Lives. It was a comic store exclusive. It wasn't on Comixology. Number two, no trade paperbacks. Almost every week since we've been back, people vote for trade paperbacks. The voting ends Thursday night. We record the show Friday morning. We don't have time to read a trade paperback in between. So they're not eligible for a patron pick. So it's only single issues. have to be available digitally. Those are the rules. There's other rules. Read the rules. This week's pick... All-America Comics. 
Joe Casey, Dustin Gwynn, Brad Simpson, Sonia Harris, Russ Wooten, Sonia Harris, former writer on the iFanboy. Very confusing. This book is called All America Comics One Shot, as it's listed on the shipping list. Although it is very much a first issue and it ends with the to be continued. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand that. It's not that I found it confusing. It's that this was an issue of a Marvel Comics America Chavez story. Yeah. But I didn't really understand. Why? Yeah, why or what it was what it was other than that like it it didn't seem like it wasn't a parody of that it wasn't a satire it didn't seem to be a deconstruction of that it was a different like it was like if he had pitched this to marvel and they had given him the book and he just did it but he just did it anyway it's very weird i was i I stopped many times while reading this and it wasn't that long it was only 30 pages and there's a lot of problems with the book itself i think not the art the art is terrific I don't know why this is. And I, I know I mentioned that earlier with with Star, but like his Casey's previous book, which we loved, Sex, was a deconstruction of Batman and his mythos and characters. And Batman and his mythos and characters really lend itself to a deconstruction. You know, telling stories that they can't tell in DC, examining the archetypes. I don't know why America Chavez needs a deconstruction. I don't know enough about her that it would mean anything. Exactly. I I just don't know what drove him to say, I want to tell this America Chavez story outside of America Chavez. I just don't know. I don't understand the point of it. Also, it is really interesting to me that he's done this before. He, Joe Casey in his writing has done this thing before where he has had the characters communicate yep. via social media. I don't remember he what really the other loves book that. was. Well, but he's not on any social media. Right, and that's obvious. Yeah, and I don't know what the point of that is. This made me realize something that is... We're big Joe Casey fans, by the way. Just yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when I, when I say this, I assume there's something there, but I don't know what it is. And I think it's a problem that it wasn't really... Either, either it wasn't communicated or it's just something that I'm not interested in. That's also possible. But what I was going to get at is that this is a guy who loves to write mainstream superhero books... And for whatever reason, by the way things went, uh, you know, his his he's he's a very successful outside of comics. Yep. Um, if you know, you can you can look up what Man of Action has done or what it is. So he doesn't really need to do Marvel, you know. He doesn't, but I, he doesn't I, need the money. No, but I think that he wants to. Clearly, he just spent I mean, years yeah. writing a Batman book. Yeah, but that was like a subversive. Batman yeah, but it was book. still a Batman book, and he sure no totally, and he's still you know. And before he stopped doing Marvel, he was doing like these sort of like, you know, old timey classic Avengers stories. So cl- and Avengers, yeah. there's Avengers analogs in here that are clearly in his interest area. Oh no, yeah, he loves that stuff. And, it's you know, just seventies, 80s Marvel comics. It was just weird. I just I, was, I kept stopping every few pages, going, "Why is this happening?" I don't, I don't get it. I really didn't get it. And it, it's none of this is to be like, "Oh, this was." bad it wasn't like this is terrible i can't read it and what was the one that he did with mike hoddleston with the truck driver and everything i don't remember i didn't like that like i didn't get it it wasn't my it's an aesthetic thing he's joe's got a really strong like these are the things that i like and i'm gonna work on things that are like these things and i don't like all of them and that's fine but this one really threw me you know i just it's just, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think you and I came out of it with exactly. And the also, same it's just, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate, but like, middle-aged men writing, teenagers talking through social media doesn't sound authentic. Well, yes, I, I, hell, I don't even know what sounds authentic. There was a bunch of language in there that I've seen before, but don't really, you know. There were words in there that are correct, or at least were correct at one point. I just don't know if they're being used correctly. It didn't feel like it. Well, I mean, all that aside, though, I, I couldn't figure the point. You know what I mean? Like, it again, it wasn't satire. It was just like, this is how they talk. But it, I, I don't, I don't know the reason to do that. I, I just don't know the like if this. Cause so I'm trying to get to the last page so I can see how it goes. But it, this is called one shot, and it ends with next the filth and the like. It ends on a next. On a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Is there more? Yeah, don't... that's. Uh, he's he's really into the comic form, and I get I that. Think. But also, if you're just telling a one issue story, it shouldn't 
be yeah, constructed this way. It didn't it wasn't constructed I as can a see, total story. Yeah, I know, but I can see him doing his one issue of a thing and having it act like we I've actually literally had this conversation with him. Like he always thought it'd be cool to just do one issue in the middle of a thing that doesn't exist. And you know, build it like a complete comic book, but it never happens. It's just like you get this window on this this other kind of world, and then you're out. Which is not, uh, and it's I think okay. That might be what that is. It's one of the benefits of Image existing is that he can do that. He can go to yeah. them and say, "I want to do this uh, weird one shot that feels like it's part of a longer book, but it's not." That's fine. It was distracting. That part was distracting to me. Yeah, I just like it did. Like I said, it it didn't seem to be a deconstruction. It didn't seem to be seem to be something other. It was just an America Chavez story that existed somewhere else, and I right. don't. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it was that it said about that character or about people or comics. I just couldn't grab onto it. Yeah. yeah. So what's the ratings on All America Comics? Out of five, two and a half. I think two. I think that's the range. It's huh? unfortunate. I, I I thought you know Dustin Gwynn's. I like him a lot. He's a great artist. You know, he's one of those guys who I I he's really good, and I I think, but he he also do, kind of doesn't do it for me. Right. I get that. Yeah, it's not it's not my favorite. He's a great artist. You know, like you know anybody having him on a comic is lucky to have him there, but it's just not my favorite. So sticking with it. I, I mean. No, <laughs> I don't think that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if that's possible. But yeah. if it was, all right. So there you go. patreoncom fanway So you can go vote at a book to the rundown. But at the five dollar or higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show, like these two. Yeah, Darren Goak can remove any stain. Mm. Any stain. So we're talking clothing, right? We're talking uh, in your vehicle. We're talking. Your driveway, you get the oil stains. Does he have to like wave his hand over it, or what's it? How does it? Yeah, we'll we'll do it sort of like a like a magnetic thing. Like you ever look at like a like an old building and it has stains, or everything is stained, Connor. Yes, everything's dirty, like an RM Gara book. Darren's gonna get rid of those stains. <laughs> He's the stain remover. And the thing is, stain master. There's a way, <laughs> stain master. That must be a that's a real brand, I mean, it's right? A puck, yeah. Yeah. Lawsuit. Like Sorry, there's Darren. a way there's a way to get rid of most stains, but they're usually complicated and arcane and you gotta sure. go buy borax, whatever borax is. What is borax? I think it was soap. <laughs> but you know, like so like you ever get like a grease stain like on a thirty shirt? soap where they just would like dump it on yeah. you and just scrub you with a it was with just, a bristles. It was, it was just lead just and lye. Dry, dry. <laughs> yeah, it was lead and lye and DDT. <laughs> just dumped it a bag on your head, and uh, some like craggly old woman with a really harsh yep. brush would scrub you. The, all that's gone now. <laughs> Darren's he's taken out stains. Right. Matt Faff, love that name. Matt Faff can grow any vegetable out of his mouth. Ew. So like you know, <laughs> you need a zucchini. He opens up his mouth, and out comes a zucchini. Now the problem is when you get to things like pumpkins. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Can he get himself in a situation where he's, like, is it a voluntary reflex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is no, it... he, he, he manifests like, oh, carrots? Okay. Here's some carrots. <laughs> Can he make the mistake of, like, I'm, I'm going to grow a pumpkin, and then he realized that he didn't account for the space and it's a problem? <laughs> and then you just get the mini pumpkins. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what's okay. going to have to happen. That's fine. I don't want any of his m- mouth legumes. Yeah, look, sorry, Matt. I mean, you could have gotten cake coming out of your mouth, but you got mm-hmm. vegetables. I don't, you know what? I don't want stuff that's coming out of somebody's mouth, especially, <laughs> especially now. Well, the thing about vegetables is you remove this, you mostly remove the skin, so the, the part that's been in his right. mouth is removed. Let me ask you another question. You want to put cake in the mouth, not out the mouth. How do you feel about zucchini? I can take it or leave it. I can eat it, but I don't want to. No. There's hardly any, any situation, I can't think of any situation, in which I say to myself, I really want a zucchini right now. But people like zucchini, right? I guess so. I've never met one. <laughs> patreon.com slash ifanboy that's where you can go at the five dollar higher level you give it superpower i think we can squeeze in one or two maybe two emails let's do dan from baltimore maryland he says with this being a week where dc and marvel are not shipping any comics to stores it had me wondering about newer comic publishers obviously time is a major factor but what does it typically take for you to take a chance on a new publisher for example recently upshot comics launched with established talents like axel alonzo and J. Michael Straczynski attached. 
Does that impact you at all? Or are you there only for a few creators like a Mark Russell that would you would follow no matter who's publishing? Does a, does a publisher like Vault come into your radar at all, considering there's more up-and-coming talent built up through word of mouth? It's a good question. It's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a couple of things happening here. I think that Connor and I are... are we probably have different takes on this, is my guess. But Maybe. I think we're both creatures of habit to a certain extent. And it's difficult to make a habit out of new stuff that comes along. So it takes a little while to integrate that stuff. But the other side of it is that, by and large, whenever a new publisher comes along, they're basically taking people who we've already seen do things at other places, and the comics aren't as good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it gets frustrating to keep trying that stuff and keep coming up with the same lukewarm reviews. Because the thing is, we're not going to talk about a thing on this show that we really hated. Or even worse, we're even less likely to talk about something that just made no impact at all. And with many of these, I don't know, I don't tertiary publishers, these sort of new Upstarts. concerns coming in. Yeah, uh, you know, that has been the case. And honestly... Uh, very specific upshot is the one right so upshot sent me uh some like magazine i got it in the mail and it says this is from axel alonzo and what's his name bill jemis right uh and all of the names were just people from the early 2000s at marvel who i didn't like right and so that's not exciting to me that feels like a retread of stuff i didn't like the first time so you know, I read through the thing. I looked at the different stuff. I'm glad they're doing it. But every time, I, I'm so, this is super cynical, I know. But like every time, there's a bunch of publishers and like we're breaking the model, and they're not. They're doing the same goddamn thing. They're making comics, and none of that matters. The model is broken. The model is what it is, or whatever. Make really great books. We are talking about. I know that, like you mentioned, Mark Russell, but we're talking about Red Sonia on a regular basis. Dynamite made that choice to do something that was really good and get somebody in. If for some reason, listen, <laughs> listen. Oh, Josh is drunk. If there is an amazing, if there is an amazing regular series that is coming out from one of these publishers, whether it's Valiant or Ahoy or Upstart or Vault or any of those, TKO, t- we're gonna know about it, but we don't know about it because largely there isn't. It's the same thing with Boom, and it's the same thing with IDW. There's not amazing product coming out. So there's stuff like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's enjoyable. That's as good as it's gotten for me. Across the board, I can't think of a series that I've gone and tried. I mean, we just we talked Sarah. about Sarah. Yep. My two things on this are, number one, it's still a truism that for the most part, the best people making comics will end up at Marvel and DC. And then based on that, they will go over to Image and do what they want. Right. So, for instance, Four Kids Walking a Bank with Matthew Rosenberg's big indie book, from, was it Black Mask? Yes, Black Mask. What happened? He started writing for Marvel. If people come out and make a big splash like that with a big indie, sp- and, and they want to make money-making comics. And when he says money, he mean, he doesn't mean they want to be rich. No. If they want to make a living They want to make a paycheck that comics. pays rent. And they're not, they're not Terry Moore or somebody from the 80s who was an indie you know, god. They'll end up at Marvel and DC or something like that. That's what happens. So for the most part, that's where the best people end up making comics. Now... There are people who I would follow to other publishers. So Mark Russell is one. We're reading Billionaire Island. If Upshot announced, hey, we're doing a crime book with Ed Brubaker, I'd read it. But they don't do that because he doesn't need to. He's doing it at Image. J. Michael Straczynski is not a name that's going to get me to go try out a, a book. No, he's the one comic. He's the one person in comics. I'm like, I don't like that guy. But like Garth Ennis is, and we, you know, Josh, and I were joking yeah. earlier today because we found yet another publisher. He's putting a war book out. He'll put a war book out through, you know, if you're a publisher, he'll do it if you'll pay for it. And we'll follow them around because we love Garth Ennis war comics. But there's only a handful of creators where it's like, oh, that guy's doing a book or that girl's doing a book at that publisher. That's interesting. I'll check that out. But there's only a couple of them because they're either working at Marvel, DC, or Image. But, but even that, Ed Brubaker's doing a crime book. Garth Ennis is doing a war book. That, to me, isn't interesting. In the way of what you're talking about, I think we're talking about we're talking about new creators. Well, there's, new two, there's two things here. He says, do established names like Axel Alonso and Mastrzynski bring you over, or are you interested in a place like Vault that's all upcoming people? Because we've talked before about wanting to see new upcoming voices. Yeah, throughout the life of the show. 
you know, Brubaker's doing a panel syndicate book. That's not necessarily a low-profile publisher, but if Brubaker was doing that book through Vault, I would check it out, but he's not. But also, like, if one of these people starts doing a book, an ongoing, that we actually, we actually try a, a lot more than you think. We, I mean, like, we have access to most of the newer publishers, and, and honestly, the ones who we don't have access to, you know, that's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, we, we're... we're uh you know, established media show, and we get almost yeah. all the all the new publishers send us their books to talk about on the show every week. We get and we, emails from and everybody. we check them out. We we look at all. We don't necessarily read. We look at everything that comes out every week. Something that looks interesting, and I know Connor and I both do the same thing. And there, there, there's absolutely a, a homogenous quality to the kinds of things we like to a certain extent. Where if the story is, you know, it's pirates and Frankenstein, we're both going to go no. No, wait a minute. Which, <laughs> but and I don't want to sound. I don't want to come off like we're jerks. It's just that. No, we we have a we have a somewhat firm grasp. That doesn't mean we know everything that's coming out. We can't. No one can know everything that's coming out. There's too many books that come out. So what? Like Josh was talking about, word of mouth will say this book is really good. That happens. That happened with four kids walking a bank. Word of mouth reaches us. This book's really good. We we read it. We like it. We talk about it in the show. Three months later, the book stops coming out. Rosenberg's working at Marvel. That's just sort of the arc of these things right now. It really is one of those things where talent does kind of. The cream rises. Yeah, it really does in comics. And, it's and, very you know, rare that someone's very good at making comics and doesn't get noticed. Because it's such a small community. The other side of things is when somebody isn't good yet, even if they have like a spark or whatever, that's not interesting to me. Like I kind of... I, I, we riddle, does that make sense what I'm yep. saying to you? Like somebody will come along and they may not be good for a little while or they won't do things that are, we're not going to end up talking about that because we'll read it and go, eh. And then when they do the thing and it breaks through and it's good, then that's the thing we can talk about. We talk about Tom Taylor a lot like that. And and now, you know, you can totally say, well, yeah, but this stuff that he was doing before that you guys didn't talk about was good. Fine. We go back and look at that too. But the, I mean, we there's there, there are so many mediocre comics out there. Well, that was the thing. We worked at Graphically. We would get submissions all the time, and it's just a, you're wading through a knee-high pile of people who aren't ready for prime time. For you yes. know, either we'll never get there or not good there yet. And one book came out of Graphically, ended up in Image, and you know that's just it's, it's a very low success rate. Like in anything, like the percentage of people who are actors who become working actors, the people who are musicians who become working mm-hmm. musicians, people who make comics who become working comic creators. It's a very low percentage, and so. It's tough. Yes, and and also I want you to yeah. It's, I mean, it really like becoming a working like full time real comic creator who's also who's also who's also really good. You know, uh, you know that's NFL territory. You know, like you you re- there's a lot of people doing stuff, and it's really difficult to weed through the all the other stuff. Like we there's so much stuff out there that you will never hear about, but it's kind of for a reason, and we can't we can't get to all that stuff. But like honestly. The I'm waving my hand like you're in front of me. I'm I'm talking at your at your letter. I would love to hear from people if you think that there's stuff that we've really genuinely missed who are not you know some of the stuff that we've been talking about because we want that. Yep. We would love to go. Fuck! I read this book from Vault. It's amazing. Yeah. You have to check this out. Connor and I would be on that like flies on shit. And the thing is, like like we said before, like we we get it all. So like TKO sent us. All their original releases, when they, and they as they did to all the media outlets, because that's what you do in publicity. You send out your your stuff for review to the people who are doing the reviewing, and the only one that uh, was worth talking about was Sarah because it was two established veterans of the industry, and Ennis and Epting, who have been in the industry for three or four decades, and are very talented and have been on giant books. Mm-hmm. You know, the other people, there were names attached to those books. They just weren't interesting. There's also a combination of people making books. And also, you have to think about the premise. You know, there's also just premises and genres and stories that we're just not interested in. Yeah. So if you've got a line of new horror comics, no matter how good they are, Josh and I are just not going to want to read them. But we might. We might. <laughs> you know, the, we, we read the Joe Hill stuff. It also doesn't mean that people the guy. That can't enjoy them even if we don't. Yeah, but, Which, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying there's something good coming out from Vault. I don't know, but people might be really enjoying them. And that's fine. I mean, but but I, we are totally always open to the idea. You know, we're we're seeing what people say in the comments or do whatever, and and it tends to be that again, cream rises to the top. Like check 
check these things out. But so, you know, I don't think we're the only people. You know, who 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 would? It's it's a two way street, sort of like yeah. like if we're faltering in some area, usually uh, the listenership will sort of speak up one way or another. And and I would love if I'm yeah, it'd be great something. if uh, in the comment section here or wherever you you attack us on the internet, uh, tell us f- books from some of these newer, smaller publishers that you really like, that you think are really good. But I'm not interested in in stuff that's just okay. Right, it's kind of fun. Or it's, I don't I, hear I, this is it's pretty good. I want to hear no, this is incredible. That's yeah, that will get my attention. Pretty good. I, I'm I'm up to my elbows in pretty good comics, and it's boring already. I want to end this on. A this lo- is the snottiest I have ever seen. A more lighthearted email, Andrew A. Okay. Not that the other one wasn't lighthearted, but Andrew A. has a story. He says, "With some extra time on my hands, thanks to the current pandemic, I recently broke up my old sketchbooks, and I've been drawing again. <laughs> this got me thinking about comics and feeling nostalgic for some of my fanboy pick three podcasts. So I've been re-listening from episode 300, and I've caught up to about episode 315. Only a few hundred to go." So here's the fun part. The other night as I was cooking dinner, I was listening to your reviews of the first month of the New 52. Whenever you would say it's time for ratings, I would ratings. echo ratings out loud back at you. After a while, my wife came in the kitchen and just said, ratings. <laughs> she had been listening on the other side of the house and I didn't realize it. That's weird and awesome. And well, Mrs. A, ratings. Ratings. <laughs> ratings. That's kind of great. Yeah. She just walked in without saying where just said ratings. Yeah, that is great. So Does she go. know that we ripped that off? <laughs> Contact.fanboy.com is where you can write us in. Dan's email came in under the wire. It wasn't even on the script until it came in right before showtime. So good for Dan. Good question. Great question. By the way, I don't know. I hope that that wasn't a defensive thing. I just, I really, we think about this. Yeah. No. Like I, I, we're very concerned about the fact that we're not covering everything. But when we reach out, man, it's 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 slim pickings. Come tell us a great series that we don't know about, man. If you listen, you know what we like. You know what we would think is is good. Plugs. Booksplode. Our Jack Kirby's New Gods show is out. That was a lot of fun. So you can find that back on the feed. And next, not this month, July, but next month, August, we'll be talking about Pluto Volume 1. And I was leaving through it the other day and just anticipating my manga headache. (laughs) <laughs> from my brain trying to process reading backwards. But I'm excited. I've been thinking about reading this book for years, and I just haven't had a chance, and I'm excited to have finally get a chance to do so. And also, after that show, behind this show, a couple shows back, you'll find our Media Explode, the third episode. We talk about quarantine and streaming, and we also talk about that thing you do. And the top five Tom Hanks films. We all break down our favorite Tom Hanks films. And just yesterday, Apollo 13 was on TV, and I was watching it because it was in my top five. <laughs> The, apparently, uh, it was funny. Connor wrote "Talksplode?" <laughs> question mark as in this month, and I want to say it was earlier today mm-hmm. that I went, "Oh crap! I got to do another one of those," because there was a little lag. <laughs> well, there was a lag, but also there was just the beginning of the year was kind of a clusterfuck with all. And of you that. had the Kelly Thompson debacle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Got it done. So, in for you, I've done an extra. For me, I've done an extra show. For you, I haven't. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on that. I'll get on that. You should. Ooh, uh, I, I hate taking suggestions, by the way. So I'm like, I asked for suggestions about series. Fine, I don't want suggestions for people I had to talk to. I hate that. You talked to Alan Moore, the only interview show that fell apart that we were happy to not follow up on. It, yeah, I don't even. It didn't even fall apart. It didn't. It was just like. Could we maybe? No, it got to the yeah. it got to the stage of the publisher setting it up. Yeah, it wasn't just abstract. Yeah, no, I I went for it, but I'm I'm not unhappy that it didn't happen. Head over to fanboy.com. That's you can find all the podcasts we just talked about. All of our shows are there. We've been updating slowly but surely the podcast page in which all the old archived shows are there and embedded, and you can find them there with cleaned up show notes and everything. It's fun. Just listen to a show in which only Ron had read the books that week. I think it was episode five. <laughs> where you and I had not read books that week. You were in the midst of changing stores. Your new store was too far, or your old store was too far away from your house, so you weren't getting. Your, I remember you that. weren't getting your books on time. So for like ten shows, you weren't really reading books. And then I was on vacation and didn't go to the store. It was a whole thing we talked about. That it was a show. different time. Yeah. Also, you can find what the pick of the week is by liking Facebook.com/ifanboy or following us at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboy comics on Instagram. That's where we announce the pick. Usually on Instagram, we also have the best that we can panels feature. I didn't have any this week. <laughs> nothing, nothing jumped out of me. That can happen. I tried. 
there was a lot of good looking books, but there was just no single panels where I was like, oh, that's a great panel. I got to say, I, I respect the fact that you're not going to force I it. I didn't force it. There was nothing. You did not feel it, and therefore you did not do it, and I think that that is the way to go. It keeps us honest. Individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Instagram, and formerly of Twitter. We've got a good streak going. And you can, as we mentioned earlier in the show, subscribe to our YouTube page. So like and subscribe. Isn't that what the kids say? I want you to click on the little button down there and subscribe if you like this one. Thank you so much. I'm over at patreon.com slash dipshitwithhair. YouTube.com slash ifanboy. That's the page. And that's where we're putting up our old video shows. And this past week, we had a mini about the best covers from the previous week at that time, 13 years ago. And uh, we had a visit to the Strangers in Paradise rap party. Interviewed Terry Moore. And I think we also interviewed his wife. I just pulled out the signed poster from that yep. when I was uh, framing all that stuff. I found that. And, as I said earlier, our very first barbecue and email show was released this week. So check I that miss out. Robin. I used to have conversations with Robin in the elevator in San Diego. She's a very nice lady. Somewhat regularly. She's a classy lady. Yep, it's true. If you like this show, leave a star rating, a red review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you do things like that. And, and it's like we always say, if, if you're on social media or telling people or whatever, word of mouth is the best thing you do. So thanks to everybody who does that. And if I may, yeah. five years ago, not quite five years ago, but almost, uh, uh, myself, you, and Ron did Goodfellas Minute. Yeah. And I started listening to them again. Okay. And it's really fun. I'm like, this is a great show. People should listen to this. So if you've come on that's true. between now and then and you haven't, you know, once we sort of get up to speed after the first week, man, that was a that was a great show. I'm listening to it and I'm having fun just like I'm listening to any other show. Well, because it's been so long, I don't remember what we talked about. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty great. I'm it's, proud of that show. And yeah, like you should be. Like you said, if anyone has come on in the last five years and and likes the movie Goodfellas and never heard our podcast Goodfellas Minutes, it's, it's it's at goodfellasminute.com, but you can't stream the shows from there. You can find it on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts yeah. or wherever you get your podcasts. You can still, the yeah. feed's still live. You can still download the show and uh, enjoy as Josh is. Yeah, and, and it's pretty timeless. So that's just a, it's not even a plug like come listen to our stuff. I just was like, oh man, this was, we did good work on this. And it, it made me go for a second. Maybe we should do another one. Nope. And I went, nah, well, yeah, we'll do that. We Joe if we, that, you know. Yeah, that's true. We're going to do it very differently than we, a very different production schedule than we did on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that nearly killed me that, that year. Anyway, thanks for listening to any of our podcasts. We do appreciate yeah. it. You, you have many podcast choices out there, but thank you for choosing ours. And <laughs> Many. Many does not cover that, that expanse of a universe. And until next week, hi, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Stay safe out there. Everybody, please. This is not a moment, it's the movement Where all the hungriest brothers with something to prove went Foes oppose us, we take an honest stand We roll like Moses, claiming our promised land And if we win our independence Is that a guarantee of freedom for our descendants? Or will the blood we shed begin an endless cycle of vengeance And death with no defendants? I know the action in the street is exciting But Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting I've been reading and writing We need to handle our financial situation Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? I'm past patiently waiting, I'm passionately smashing Every expectation, every action's an act of creation I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow For the first time I'm thinking past tomorrow